0: So th- that's a, uh, an interesting graphic, right? It's um, uh, an expression that some you some of you may be familiar with. Maybe you've never heard of it. I'm just curious. Who has not heard ever heard this expression? Young, older. Wow, I'm I'm shocked. <laughs> I am really really shocked. This was actually the title of a novel. Uh, That was written in 1963, but the expression itself kind of goes back a lot older uh, to before the 20th century, possibly even. But uh, starting around the 1930s, it was something that came into common uh, usage. And what it means is really not to have any apprehension or to be free from fear, to be carefree, to not be worried about, about things, right? So, you know, you, there could be bad things happening around you or you could be experiencing a certain situation, but yet there's, there's a certain comfort, there's a certain amount of not really worrying about those kinds of things. And I thought that after four weeks of monster month, that we would talk about the topic of fear. So, you know, Dave didn't really have any... Well, he had one video clip the last week. But, you know, Dave gave us this this series. And there you see behind me the cast of, of uh, characters. I think first we did Frankenstein. Frankenstein came first. And then we had uh, uh, the guy with the light across his eyes, which, of course, is... Dracula, that was really a message that we could sink our teeth into, right? But, uh, and I have to tell you, energy vampires are totally real, right? You know, there are just some people that just totally suck the life out of you, right? And then we did uh, The Invisible Man, and then we had Wolfman. That was a howling good time. Yes? Okay. All right. So back in their time, these guys were... Certainly scary and may have been the stuff of nightmares and You know when you compare it though to the kind of horror movies that we see today You know the it's a lot different these were the kinder gentler uh, You know monster movies they relied more on Anticipation and oh what's gonna happen next and not you know not as much on the gore and the you know and the special effects but there are things that are truly more scary and more horrifying than these guys. So, oh, yes, <laughs> I, 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 like, I like that one. You could file this form 666 <laughs> and get a filing extension for all of eternity. And, and yet some people like getting scared. You know, some people, you know, they seem to enjoy that experience. Also, some people like jumping out of airplanes, and some people like riding what my wife and I call puke machines at Great Adventure. But, um, hello? There we go. So this is this is actually pretty recent. Um, this is uh, 2021 that this poll was taken, and, you know, as you can see, it's about 50-50, you know, as far as people who like to get scared, they don't like to get scared. But I thought it was really interesting. You know, you see how it's skewed toward, toward the younger population. You know, so I, I don't know. I guess young people, that means you're adrenaline junkies. I, you know, something like that. And most monster movies still pretty much end with the monster being vanquished. That's, that's pretty much how they go. Uh, although there are some notable exceptions like the friday the 13th saga where you just you can't you know you can't keep a good monster down i guess um, but perhaps the younger you are uh, the more reassurance you need you know you need to watch these movies for that reassurance that that good will triumph over evil and then sadly in today's world there is a lot more to really fear than the made-up monsters of the movies that we see today. Uh, We have war, real war, kinetic war, hot war. We have rumors of war. We have financial uncertainty. You know, you hear that most people live paycheck to paycheck. And the world of today is definitely more complex than the world of yesterday with these guys. So, you know, as you can see, uh, let's see, we're on the next side. uh, I thought I would talk for just a minute about some things that people are scared of. So this is a little bit on the lighter side, but... uh, Funny phobias. Now, I'm not going to try to read these names because they're just way too long and way too complicated. But um, funny phobias, fear of peanut butter. I have never heard of anyone actually being afraid of peanut butter. Now, actually, maybe our son David, who has a peanut butter allergy and for years and years and years walked around with an EpiPen. I don't know. So maybe, maybe it has something to do with that. The the next one I love, the next one I love, nomophobia, fear of being without your mobile phone. And yeah, there have been days where I've walked out the front door and left my phone sitting on my desk, and to be sure, I would go back home and get that little sucker, because without it, who knows? Fear of the color yellow, xanthophobia, octophobia, fear of the number eight, really, seriously? Globophobia, fear of balloons. Maybe that goes with fear of clowns. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not. No, I'm not even going to attempt the next one. Fear of long words. This also must be the longest word in the dictionary. Must be the longest word in the dictionary. And of course, we'll just end it with phobophobia. Fear of phobias. There you go. So, if if you're interested in that a little bit more you can go to uh, recoveryvillage.com. So So all these irrational fears aside, I think it's fair to say that we are somewhat conditioned um, to have fear as part of our lives and what goes on with us. Um, And the notion of fear can even be applied in, in somewhat of a positive context. You've also probably heard the expression, since a lot of you seem to not hear the one about whistling in the graveyard, you, you may have heard the expression that he or she is a God-fearing man or woman. So as kind of a postscript to Monster Month, maybe a footmo- footnote to Monster Month, I wanted to delve a little bit into the idea of whether a Christian should fear God. Now, and, and this is a topic that, that actually has some debate if you go out there and, and do a little research into it. But um, before we get into some Bible verses, it may be helpful to discuss just some general aspects of fear. So one of the first things we learn as human beings is that some things hurt physically. You exit the womb, and what's your welcome to this world? Slap on the rump, Right. Uh, along with that, young children quickly learn that they are not indestructible and to, devo- and to avoid uh, certain things or certain actions. And they develop what we might call a healthy fear. If you jump off of something that's too high up, you're going to get hurt, right? You know, things along that line. And then, you know, there's, there are the things that kind of raise the hair on the back of your neck if you're walking home late at night, you know, and you have that shortcut through the dark alley, and then something just tells you to, maybe tonight I shouldn't, I shouldn't take that shortcut, or, you know, like a, we mentioned skydiving before, you know, skydiving, jumping out of an airplane, that is, it, I I just cannot comprehend in enjoying that. That would. You know, just be something that I could not wrap my head around, you know. So sometimes you have that intuition or that healthy fear that is uh, indeed a good thing because it can prevent us from getting hurt. Nope, going the wrong way. Funny phobias. Okay. So here are some definitions of fear. Fear is a basic emotional response to a perceived threat or danger. It triggers the body's fight or flight response, leading to physiological changes, like increased heart rate. Fear is an essential survival mechanism, helping individuals react to potentially life threatening situations. Fear can also be learned through past experiences or observations. I think all of this is fair. And fear also can be attributed to feelings of stress and anxiety. So the question is, should fear be the basis or even part of a Christian's relationship with God? Now, you might say to me, Joe, that's a really dumb question. Of course not. Or you might say the opposite. But the idea is out there that we should have, maybe we call it that healthy fear of God, that we should in fact be God-fearing people. And to that whole idea and that whole notion, I would now like to take us to the book of First John, one of the letters that uh, John wrote late in life, and delve into this a little bit at a time, verse by verse. So, In 1 John chapter 4, John writes, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So John starts out right here saying that true love, that the whole idea of love is an emotion that originated with God and is passed on to every human being, that capability to love. Now, now we're going to see that in this passage, as we as we walk through uh, the next uh, couple of slides, we're going to see that that John kind of bounces back and forth a little bit, and he la- makes a lot of statements about love. And this, the statements are connected, but, well, you'll see what I mean as we go on, I guess. He then goes on to say, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Again, that that foundational concept that love comes from God, and we learn to love wholly and completely as human beings when we look at Christ's example and when we look to everything that God has done for us. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. An example or a demonstration of God's love. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Again, more about how God loves us and how his example shows what true love is he then goes to say dear friends since god loved us so we also ought to love one another right that that love has to be outgoing it has to be poured out right and it's not just between uh us individually and god but it's something that also has to be poured out and shared we also ought to love one another no one has ever seen god But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Now, we're going to come back to this word complete and look at that a little bit more closely. But I just want to go on and kind of read uh, to the end of the passage. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us because God is love. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. And then, of course, coming to it in verse 18, John writes, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. So a little little word story on the Greek word for perfect. So I'm not going to try to pronounce it again because I'll just butcher it and I've never studied Greek. But some of the definitions of this word uh, brought to its end finish, wanting nothing necessary to completeness perfect. It could also be translated as perfect, but finished, complete, perfect. And this word is used several times throughout this particular passage. Perfect love, complete love drives out fear. So fear may be something that we live with. And yes, there is such a thing as healthy fear. But God's love, God's perfected love, as we grow and we develop it, that is the kind of love that pushes out fear between the relationship, in the relationship that we have with God. Now, I think you could read these. this particular verse. I think you could read it both ways. You know, I think you could say that over time, as we learn to become more tolerant, more accepting of people, that when the guy cuts you off on the way home from church today, that you will not think of him as a slimy human being, but maybe as somebody who is having a bad day and is... Hopefully not driving that way always, or all the time. But I think you could also read this verse the other way, right? Because let's ask the question, who among us has perfect love? I, I know I don't. I, I know this is still a growth area for me. It's something that that I'm working on. and. As is mostly the case, I'm standing up here talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. But who among us has perfect love? Answer? Yeah. Only God has perfect love, family. Only God really has the ability to love us perfectly. When we allow ourselves to become filled with the love of God, that can push out any fear, any anxiety that we have. When it, it's quiet and still and it's just you and your thoughts and you have those thoughts of inadequacy or maybe dwelling on past failings or current struggles and, and you feel a little bit afraid that you're failing God, that you're letting him down. That's a human response. That is a human response. As Christians, we need to rise above that. And we need to think rather of all that God has done for us. All that God has done for us. We sang the song today called Gyra. Gyra means provider. It's one of the names given to God in the Old Testament. Yahweh Jireh or Jehovah Jireh, if you please. You know, God will provide or God is our provider. Jesus also revealed God to us as a father. Jesus showed it's alluded to slightly in the past in the in the old testament. It's alluded slightly God as Father, but that is really a New Testament concept. Now, children do have a healthy respect of their parents, right? They know if they break the rules, they know that they could experience some punishment. But as a parent, would you really want your children to be fearful of you? Is, is, is that going to be the core or the root of the relationship? I, I think not. Now, I know that somebody here today may have had a really horrible parent, and, and I acknowledge that, that that can happen, and it does happen in this world. But in the context of your relationship with God, that is not something that you have to worry about. God is your Father. Jesus revealed that to us. We also know that Jesus was God in the flesh, and that he told one of his apostles, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When they said, To him, show us the Father and it'll be sufficient. And he said, guys, you didn't get the memo yet. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you go back through the New Testament and you look at how Jesus interacted with people, how he spoke with people, how he dealt with people. And Jesus was not a scary dude. Now, yes, he could be firm sometimes. He did has have his throw the table over moment, yeah? Right? But all in all, Jesus showed and exemplified the love that God has for us. Now, some critics will no doubt quote me the proverb. Okay, let's get this straight. We did this one already. Well, no doubt quote me the proverb. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven. Dave did a whole series on proverbs, so we'll revisit that just for a, for a moment here. "The fear of the Lord, or the fear of the eternal one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction." So, the word in Hebrew does indeed mean fear. It also means awe. It also means seeing God for who He is, the creator of the universe, the all powerful being who brought everything into existence. Okay? And, you know, we're not talking like Harry Potter stuff here, right? I can imagine God over, well, time didn't exist (laughs) before the beginning, but I can imagine God designing and figuring out and just making it all happen. That's how awesome God is. In the Old Testament, there is a completely separate word that is used for dread. Completely separate word. So what I would offer you here, what I would suggest to you here, is that, yes, the Old Testament talks a lot about fearing God, right? And you'll, you'll find this over and over. You'll find this concept over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament. But a bit of wisdom, I think, I hope, that I can offer you is that the Old Testament is simply that. It's the Old Testament. Yes, there is certainly harmony between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament in great part foreshadows all of the, many of the things that come to fruition in the New Testament, okay? But when it comes to defining our relationship with God, I, I would say you have to look first to the New Testament. The Old Testament is not the place where you learn about God as the loving Father that Jesus revealed to us. Here we go again. Going the wrong way. Sorry, troops. The writer of the book of Hebrews goes through a very, very long dissertation about the relationship, and it's written to the Jewish community, about the relationship between the scriptures, the only scriptures that they knew, And how it related to what they were seeing and what they were experiencing in Jesus. And in the sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews, the writer makes the following statement. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. So we have to, as it were, in our Christian journey, in our walk, we have to graduate. You may have started out your journey as a Christian with some of that fear and trembling but you need to graduate from that. You need to let God's perfect love push that fear out of you. You need to take love on into your being. If we go back to what John wrote in his letter It maybe seems kind of obvious, but he goes on about it and he talks about it at length and expounds upon it. So I don't know. Maybe it's not so obvious. Maybe it's something that all of us need to hear at certain points in our walk. The textbooks that are out there No, give some treatments for fear and anxiety. Graded exposure therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, medication, yeah, (laughs) relaxation techniques, right? So, you know, all of these things, People explore and they go through, but the real solution, family, is something a lot simpler. It's God. Trust in my perfect, complete love. That's what he says. So we can be like Job. For sighing has come upon me, etc., etc. That which I feared has come upon me. Or we can worry, like him, you put one toe out of line, you're in trouble. Or let's get the next slide. Or, as Paul wrote to Timothy, we can Understand and realize that God did not give us a spirit of timidity, and this is from the Amplified Bible. So, Amplified Bible is a bit of a paraphrase, okay? But they're they're trying, you know. And when you have these parentheses, it's kind of expanding on the meaning of the previous word. Did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven, cringing, fawning fear, but He has given us a spirit of power, and of love, and of Calm and well balanced mind and discipline and self control. We can trust God. We, we can trust Him. We need to put our trust in Him. He is the one being that you never really need to have fear of. See Him respect him. Take your Christian walk seriously and endeavor to be more like Jesus day by day. But most of all, love him and trust in his perfect love. And that spirit, that trust will indeed allow you to fearlessly go whistling past the graveyard.